The Other Side of the News is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from the other side of midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus to bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary based on well-verified references vetted through vigilance and discernment. Our desire, desire is to awaken your imagination with questions. Questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way. With clear insights fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. Timothy Saunders, I am one of your trio of co-hosts on this 88th edition of The Other Side of the News. I'm speaking to you this early morning from the Aegean coastline, southwest Turkey. We'll soon be joined by Kintia from my infamous wheelhouse within shadow's reach of the Golden Gate, and Anessa Driscoll, who is also currently nearby San Francisco. This show is entitled Big Rigged. As the source of one of the world's most dominant news stories this week originates, from the Guinness Book of Records acknowledged Freedom Convoy in Canada and the apparent loss of a stray, dark-haired, reasonably well-groomed, traumatized puppet leader who answers by the name of Justin. We are delighted to welcome back Darlene Undy to hear her feet on the ground report. I'm therefore going to cut to the chase and offer you a praise of my words in order to squeeze her on prior to our main guest. Here's a list of my bullet points. Italy is upgrading the use of the VAX passport, making public transport, shopping, and entertainment impossible without one. While Austria is cancelling fines and restrictions for the non-vaxxed. Strange to see slight variations during this great U-turn. What about Greece? Even Israel is cancelling VAX passports. There is just no point. Transpires, vaxxed and unvaxxed can both apparently transmit. In the UK, Boris is still under attack by his opposition to resign for his involvement in Partygate. An investigation is underway. I wonder how this will end, despite the fact he believes like a complete buffoon. There are no strong contenders to take his place just more weak-minded puppets with life money. Maybe this is an opportunity for Klaus Anal Schwab to infiltrate with another one of his millions across this space. At Prime Minister Question Time, Bojo aligned his opposition leader, Keir Starmer, with Jimmy Savile. This guy was a DJ, children's TV host, and philanthropist who transpires had a lucrative hobby in child trafficking with apparent royal approval. Unless, of course, they were just turning a blind eye. Bojo did finally announce 
the NHS will U-turn and cancel mandatory vaccines for staff and care workers. Despite this great news, members from his cabinet are resigning like rats, leaving a sinking ship. Is this exodus due to the mention of Jimmy Savile, or is it perhaps more to do with the upcoming results from the Party 8 investigation? Time will deal on that as well. These distractions all lead to far more questions regarding the authenticity and justification for the pandemic in the first place. Oh, and the doctor, the, I think he was an anesthetist who recently overtly shared his opinions with Sajid David during a televised hospital visit is now being invited on mainstream TV shows. However, despite seeing his face, he is having his time cut short in an attempt to limit his words. Lockdowns did far more harm than good. A new study published by Johns Hopkins University in the US, Lund University in Sweden, and Denmark's Center for Political Studies found that lockdowns prevented just 0.2% of deaths compared to letting people get on with their lives. Sounds like a bargain to me. In the USA, remdesivir will now be allowed for kids over a certain weight limit. Why? It's an experimental drug still gives organ damage, doesn't it? And Pfizer is requesting emergency permission to inject its facts into children between the age of five and six months. How can this possibly be allowed? Under Biden's apparent guidance, the USA broke the 30 trillion national debt limit. I wonder if sirens go off or perhaps uh, he gets a prize like in a casino. And Jeff Bezos' half billion dollar yacht will require an historical bridge to be removed in Nederland prior to delivery to the ocean. I'm sure that's a case of uh, giving the locals a sense of pride and uh, and of course, big donation. And Meta, Facebook, fourth quarter figures are not looking very good. They're down. I hope that's nothing to do with the way that I frequently report COVID-19 articles as fake news and scam. Actually, it's very easy. Uh, all you need to do is click on the three dots of your you know, selected article, choose report, select the reason why, and then click send. I wonder what happened if everyone did this at the same time. And we should not ignore the elephants in the room, what's really going on in and around the Ukraine. I very much look forward to hearing our guests' perspective regarding this essential awakening process, all with a view to illuminate the best path to lead us to a positive outcome. You may find us at www.theothersideofthenews.com, where you will see quick links to our independent Rumble and Telegram platforms, details for each show, which include links to our bios, shows, items, references, and selected research. As usual, there's a huge collection of information to read, watch, and listen to, most of which has been handpicked from independent sources. I urge you to study them and even download your own copies sooner than later as the censorship robots work around the clock to rewrite history in real time. During the last week, we've been gridlocked by another wave of remarkable events and headlines reported in the news to discuss, validate, and present each topic in correct context could all too easily take up an entire show, as the other side of the news is not per se a typical news show, and in order to make the best use of our available airtime, we should plot a direct course to greet the rest of our team 
and to introduce our return guest, James DeMeo. Good evening, Kintia. Good evening, Anessa. Have either of you ladies fueled up your big rigs yet? <laughs> well, well, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Anetta. <laughs> yeah, it's getting to the point like to fill a fill a tank of gas in uh, my car is is about the expense of what used to be to fill a big rig. I can tell you that. Right. Um, yeah, it kind of slows you down. Uh, gosh, well, I, I'm getting to be I'm getting to sound about the same every week, but it's true. There's just there's just so much going on and, and so much good stuff. And I, I had these uh, little sound clips, but I was very negligent and got them to Kintia at a really late hour. So not her fault that they didn't get on, but I did post one of them to our Telegram channel. And uh, I just posted it and it is a very inspiring young man who is organizing his high school in, uh, I'm not sure how you say this, Washuga, I think. High school. It's near Vancouver, Washington. And uh, so when we're thinking about young people and, you know, whether they have leadership skills, well, some of them do. And this guy uh, is one minute and 54 seconds. And uh, he, he organizes his entire school and they are quite successful in their endeavors to remove the mask. And, um, you know, I would, I would encourage you to go to our Telegram channel and check out that video. Uh, so that's one thing. And then there was another one, which I'll try to get up for you guys, um, which was, I was, I was very last minute today. So, um, they didn't go quite as I planned, but, uh, anyway, uh, Matt Lee of the Associated Press really, um, uh, I know his real name. It, it, I know him as Sir Dorks a lot. So I, I'm not sure what his name is, but he's, he's up there. He's supposed to be running a presser and, uh, you know, we know what our pretendency has as far as pressers, and if they if they lose their flashcards, it's all over. And if anybody would ask them a real question instead of a softball question, they can't answer it. Well, finally, this um, this particular journalist who's been in the business a very long time, his name's Matt Lee, and he asked the uh, Sir Dorks a lot um, a really uh, pointed question and says, well, you know, so what's the evidence? And it's actually about Russia and the Ukraine. But he never really gets into that. What he's really talking about is he's talking, you know, well, where's the evidence? You expect us just to believe this, you know, without showing us documentation and evidence. So, yeah, I think we're starting to see a real turn um, in the media. Now, I want to pick on the media a bit because I, I love picking on the media. Um, but uh, I, I think it would be hard to miss that Jeff Zucker resigned this week. And he is the president. CEO of um, uh, CNN, Constant Negative News or Communist News Network or whatever you'd like to call that. And uh, he supposedly resigned over an affair that he was having with his uh, one of his people, I think that's uh, promotions, I don't remember, something in marketing. doesn't really matter. It was a woman there. But here's the deal. They're both divorced and they're having an affair. And this affair has been going on for quite some time. Okay. That's not the reason the guy would resign, period. I mean, think about it, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what we're going to see, but I, I think that there's a, there's a lot going on that is we're not, uh, we're not seeing the real stuff. They're, they're, they're still making up stories. Remember when Chris Cuomo uh, was taken out? Uh, supposedly, initially, it was because he was protecting his brother. But uh, his, his 
it wasn't the real deal. It was actually a sex scandal. So uh, this, again, is going to be something. And, and, there's, and I feel that it quite possibly could be Chris Como is, um, you know, dropping the turd bombs on him because, you know, he's, he's upset by the way he got taken out. And there's a lot to pick from. There's a, there's a lot going on. And you got Rachel Madcow resigning, or not resigning, she's taking a, a sabbatical. And she says till April, but then immediately she says, well, maybe longer. Yeah. Well, that's because no one's watching your networks. And they had certain people leave Fox News, and now the no names are getting a whole bunch of viewership, whereas the people that were there, the establishment that were uh, lying, like the rest of it, uh, is uh, just, you know, they're, they're just uh, going on, and the other people, the no names, are, are really making a great dent. But here's the thing. People that I listen to, people that are on Rumble, people that are doing what this show's doing, people that are on Telegram, things like that, they are the ones that are actually getting the real numbers. And this is really interesting. And all of this is happening, mind you, right before Truth Social is due to launch, which is a platform for completely censorship, litter, and all of that other other stuff. Um, so anyway, I wanted to bring that up. and. Um, so so we have a whole bunch going on around that. And we have the trucker thing. And we, there's so much good stuff. But I don't want to spend all that time because we've got a really great guest tonight. But I did want to share with you a, a clip from Pierre Polvier. I'm not sure that I'm saying that right. It's a French name. And, well, that's not my thing. But um, he, uh, he was, he was uh, asked by a reporter outside the um, Canadian Parliament about uh, some stuff with the media with the truckers. And I think that his response was really fantastic and everyone should hear it. So I do have that sound clip and we'll play that and that will lead us right over into uh, what Darlene's gonna be talking about. So could you play my sound clip? Well, you know what I think is interesting is that um, when there's a left-wing protest on Parliament Hill, we don't see the liberal media going through every single name of the people who attends to try and find one person that they can disparage the whole group with. Um, you know, we don't see... Uh, CBC, for example, has been accused by its own employees of systemic racism. And yet, we don't see the media here generalize that everyone who works at the CBC is a racist. Whenever you have um, five or 10,000 people who are part of any group, you're bound to have a number who have or say unacceptable things, and they should be individually responsible for the things they say and do. But that doesn't mean we disparage the thousands of hardworking, law-abiding, and peaceful truckers who, quite frankly, have kept all of you alive the last two years by filling your grocery shelves with the food that you eat and filling your homes with the products that you rely upon. So I think that it is possible to hold individually responsible anyone who says or does anything unacceptable while showing support for the hardworking, law-abiding, peace-loving truckers who are fighting for their freedom and their livelihoods and on whom we have defended, we have depended for our very existence 
over the last two years. Okay, so, uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm muted. Uh, so, yeah, so that, that's Pierre, and I'm not even going to attempt that last name there, but he, you know, he, what he's saying is, is the media basically is completely biased, and that's a politician turning against the media. We've got journalists coming out against the media. We have the media, it, it's, in, it's, it's, it's in free fall. And yet the other forms of media are coming up. So this is really good. Uh, we, we know that the media has to go as well as big pharma, and they're inextricably linked to each other. So more going on. But there is a huge amount that, that uh, is, is great about this. And um, so that's kind of what I wanted to say. Uh, do check out our Telegram channel. It's at Telegram, and our name of our channel is The Other Side of the News. So with that, I'm going to pass it on to Kinthea. Well, actually, I was going to segue into Darlene and pass it on to me. But since we're talking about these channels, I, I know that some of you have access to the web page where you can see these channels, but I actually want to say them if you want to look for them. So our blog talk channel, if you're listening on the other side of midnight, our blog talk channel is blogtalkradio.com forward slash TOSIN, T-O-S-N. And the Facebook is facebook.com, the other side of the news, one, that's number one. And our Rumble channel is rumble.com forward slash TOSIN, again, T-O-S-N. And our Telegram channel is uh, TOSIN1, T-O-S-N-1. I thought that last segue was perfect to bring Darlene into, she's our foot on the ground reporter from Canada who has been not only participating in many rallies and events, but she's dedicated hours and hours to training and teaching people how to stand up for their rights. And I am so delighted and honored that she is a part of our team in Canada. So Darlene, welcome to the other side of the news. And we'd love to hear what's happening with those amazing truckers. Well, thank you so much, everyone. And uh, first and foremost, I want to thank Timothy, Annetta, and Kinthea. It is always such an honor and privilege to be given the the platform to speak about what's happening in Canada. And uh, the one word I want all of us to lay as a platform today is discernment, because there is so much confusion and disinformation. So I'm going to share my experience and some of the information that I've been privy to. So I want all uh, that are listening here to uh, realize that I am the messenger and uh, that this is information that I feel is real and raw and as much in real time as possible. But I've been asked to speak to what is happening with the uh, Canada Freedom Convoy 2022. And what I have recognized is that, um, because I've had my own experience in the United States, that uh, a lot of times they don't really realize about their northern partners, how expansive our country is. And we have a gorgeous country here. And I am in the west part of uh, Canada. And so I wanted to give uh, everyone an idea of the 
distance that these truckers had to travel. So this convoy started in the city of Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and they traveled to Ottawa, which is on the east side of Canada. And to get to Ottawa by uh, semi, truck, car, it takes five days. It takes 43 hours. And it's 2,722 miles or 4,381 kilometers. So anyone that um, made their way to Ottawa made a true and real commitment. And so we know that the farmers have joined in. You're going to be hearing a little bit more on uh, non-mainstream media about something called slow rolls and the blockades that are taken place by these uh, freedom warriors and truth seekers about the tyranny that is happening in Canada. And you've also probably heard about the GoFundMe that was created from the people of uh, over $10 million that now in Canada, the Ottawa City Council is that they have frozen that account because they said it needs to be uh, investigated. And that is also affiliated with a recent um, conversation that happened with the Ottawa police chief that has threatened to call in the army if there's any type of, um, you know, flack against what the narrative that the, the propaganda that they're putting out there. And what these people are saying, this Ottawa police chief had stated, and so I want everyone to hear me clearly that what they're doing here in Canada is exactly what happened January 6th at your capital the narrative is mirrored completely. So they are saying that we are highly organized, well-funded, we're volatile, we're dangerous demonstrators, we're unlawful, and we are dangerous demonstrators. And what this uh, Ottawa police chief said to the people of Canada, and especially to the people of Ottawa, is that um, you know their safety is paramount. And that, you know, discretion needs to be, you know, taken into strong consideration because of the desecration to the cenotaph that's happening. These are going to be held towards criminal acts, that they were going to arrest those who have brought um, firearms into the Capitol. So, I mean, all of this is bogus. And we want people to understand the narrative because what we do know is happening because uh, I am affiliated with a incredible uh, free media platform here in Canada called the Mad Watcher TV. I'm affiliated with a very conscious man by the name of Brian Condy, and we get the news out about what's happening. And we have a contact in Ottawa who's letting us know how the truckers are feeding the homeless, how they're shoveling walks, how they uh, have food and are taking care of each other. So there is much uh, narrative that's happening that is not true. And uh, we don't even know where our prime minister is. And I don't, I use that term very loosely. And we call him Trupetto. And uh, we know that there's uh, crimes against humanity and things, harms to children that have happened. And we don't really know where he is. So we, the people, have started to stand up because the fake news is naming us as terrorists, um, misogynists, racists. I mean, the, the narrative, the propaganda again, is exactly what's happening in the United States.
So what is also being created by the we the people is there are provinces. So we this is exactly like the states in uh, the USA. So we call them provinces here in Canada. Is that uh, there is a, a border town um, in Coutts, Alberta, and this borders uh, with Montana. And this is one of the most significant uh, border crossings. It's open 24-7. And what has happened with We the People is that we have actually barricaded, the truckers have barricaded the border. And this, again, has caused great chaos because what is happening here is a grassroots movement where We the People are fighting against the narrative. And so what we want people to uh, recognize is that we are standing for our rights and freedoms. Uh, you know, some significant resignations that happened that uh, we want to make people aware of is um, Justine Trudeau's head of security um, stepped down. He's an ex-RCMP officer who has now joined uh, the movement. And so we have people that are standing with us. Um, what a lot of people also will not hear of is um, a lady by the name of Her Majesty Queen Romana. I am Queen Romana who showed up in Ottawa and uh, what, who she had standing beside her was the uh, Chief Warrant Officer James Smith who replaced Hartnell who was the former uh, Canadian um, Army Sar Sergeant Major and so we want people to know that there's a lot of shift happening within Canada. And so we are bringing uh, truth to the country. And we, the people, are still holding our rallies. We're having worldwide rallies. Uh, number 7, 7.0, March 17th, all over Canada. And we are making our constitutional rights and freedoms known to the government, which no longer exists under the corporation. And uh, we also are going to be hearing a lot more from Brian Peckard, who's the last living minister signatory of our charter. And uh, he is letting people know how significant, how sacred the document of is the Constitution of Canada. So there is so much that I can share about what is taking place. Everything and everyone across Canada and the provinces, the people of the grassroots movement of every part of our provinces of Canada are stepping up and recognizing that we the people have the power. Annetta, you had a question for Darlene. Oh, I did. I thought I thought my internet just dropped there. <laughs> okay, yes, I did, Darlene. Um, so I actually read an article today that the military had said to the the Ottawan government, uh, that they are, are actually not going to side with, they, they're not going to go against the people. Have you heard anything about that or is that false information? There is still um, not clarity around what's happening with the military and the police. So I cannot give um, a real clear answer. I would be giving this information if I would speak any further to that. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was going to check. Okay. So I also, I did see a video from the police chief himself who was, who actually, so this is very confusing. 
I'm, I'm just saying because I've, I've put all these up on my channel up on Telegram, and um, there is a, a video of the police chief saying that the, the truckers are absolutely non-destructive, that they're polishing statues and protecting them and shoveling sidewalks for elderly people and giving food to the homeless and stuff. That's correct. That so, is correct, that narrative. Right. So, so how are they getting the police to go against the people when the police chief is saying that? Or Do we understand that at this point? Well, I believe what is happening from the uh, the video that I saw was that there was a narrative that was being put out to the people of Ottawa that this gathering that was happening at the parliamentary buildings were dangerous terrorists. You know, so there, the narrative is being put in place by those are watch, that are watching mainstream media. Mm-hmm. However, what is truly happening on the ground uh, by the grassroots movement of the truckers, of the farmers, of all those that have showed up, um, is that it's a peaceful assembly. Right, and and I know that they had what a pro, um, there was a there was a part of Canada, I'm not sure which, um, so that they decided to make a law. All of a sudden, now, which I'm sure is not a law, uh, that they couldn't assemble on the side of the road to cheer the truckers on. <laughs> Yes, so. and again, um, I I would be incorrect by saying that, that I knew exactly which province that was, but that is actually something that did come through, mm-hmm. where I believe it might have been the mayor that said that uh, the uh, citizens of Canada were not able to to do anything. I mean, but again, it's not a law, and people have to stand up for their rights of the Constitution because that is the supreme law of God, and that's what we stand by. Okay. And uh, just, to, just to wrap this up, because we're right at break, but uh, I had a, I, I heard a, a term for your, uh, quote, prime minister, and it, I thought it was appropriate. It was Trudeau. So there we go. Another one for you. Trudeau. And there's also a hashtag that has come out because of the convoy, and it's called Truck Trudeau. And we stand by that. Okay. I think Timothy has some questions, too, for you. I heard it was uh, truck Frudo, wasn't it? But uh... well, there, there, <laughs> there's many. Uh, there was a beautiful put together video that was uh, from the Devil of Prada, and uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was fitting. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah that that's up on my Telegram channel. It's, it's pretty good. <laughs> Darlene, may I ask you the the obvious question that? If people are watching mainstream TV, they're going to see that there are very few trucks making their way across and they're, they're angry and bitter and extreme right-wingist people with, you know, uh, carrying swastikas and that type of thing. But reality is very different, I understand. As your feet are on, are on the ground, can you validate the sort of numbers of trucks involved or people involved in this, this movement, please? I will, I will give you conservative numbers, Timothy. I believe that there was 47 miles of convoy. There was 50,000 truckers that came across uh, Canada. And that does not include the, the truckers that were coming from, I believe, North and South Carolina, our brothers and sisters that were coming from the United States of America. So this is a grassroots movement, and uh, these truckers are inspired by the children. If you would hear the videos of the children saying, thank you for standing for my rights and freedoms, I mean, it brings tears. Excellent. 
Okay, well, thank you very much. Kintia, would you like to uh, take over from here? All righty then. So <laughs> we're off to a good start. This is the other side of the news, and our wonderful guest tonight is Dr. James DeMeo. We just heard an in-depth report from our Canadian reporter, Darlene Undy. The show tonight is called Big Rigged, and we shall return. My background education is in uh, evidence-based medicine and research methods out of the University of Toronto. Graduate school there, then I went on to Oxford in evidence-based medicine, and then on to McMaster, my doctorate and postdoc in evidence-based medicine. I also did some certificate program at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore in biological warfare, weaponization of pathogen in 2001. Basically how you would take viruses, bacteria, etc. Any type of pathogen in and weaponize them, put them on a missile, to use them for nefarious means. And I wanted to learn as an epidemiologist in case my city or my country just to understand how it works and if that can be done. I was working at the WHO, Pan American Health, mid 2019, and then we started to get these cases out of Italy in January, February. These, these images on the television of people dropping dead. I'm speaking to you honestly, as a scientist, but openly. Those images out of China were fake. That was part of this game to scare the world. At that time, WHO asked me to change my position and to become a pandemic advisor to them because they were the global agency and they didn't know what was going on. Because of my training in evidence-based medicine and research methods in clinical epidemiology, they wanted me to help them understand what was coming out of China and Italy. So I actually was connected to WHO and PAHO in the beginning of the COVID outbreak. And a lot of their messaging was from me. People like me behind the scenes, we took a lot of beating from the press and hammering because we were calling for a balanced age risk stratified approach. Damage had already been done by Fauci and Books. It was Fauci and Books' lockdowns that harmed America, killed people. Many people died in America because of their lockdowns. It was Fauci refusal to admit and to recognize the potency of early outpatient treatment. But the groups I work with now, like Dr. Pierre Corey, Dr. Peter McCullough, etc. We champion early treatment and we have, you know, the treatment plans and stuff where you treat the infected high-risk person early, prevents hospitalization and death. Fauci and they damaged us in that regard. They will refuse to recognize the antivirals. We have estimates now of the 750,000 Americans, quote-unquote, who may have died from COVID. About 700,000 will be alive today, 90%. Oh. And that's our math when we look at the data. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of Americans died because of the NIH and the CDC refusal to allow doctors to prescribe early outpatient treatment. I have many, I know many doctors, many of them across America, right now fighting their state boards and stuff for their licenses. Their licenses have been stopped or pulled. They're threatened with being fired because they prescribe 
early treatment that was helping the patient. I'm Dr. Paul Alexander, and uh, I have really thoroughly enjoyed the opportunity to be on the other side of the news because it has shown me to be one of the forums that's probably one of the only forums that allows one to be fully expressive and to, uh, and to share how they really feel about the events um, in the hopes of sharing with a larger audience and an exchange of ideas so that people can become much more informed and understand the situation around them for their own decision making. So I am very thankful of this opportunity for the other side of the news. Cynthia co-hosting with Annette Driscoll and Timothy Saunders. And our guest tonight is Dr. James DeMeo. He's been a frequent guest on our show as well as the other side of midnight. I have a couple links in his section to previous shows. And uh, I also have a couple diagrams from inside his book that he'll be referring to. Dr. DeMeo has spent most of his career focusing on uh, William Wilhelm Reich's work with the Orgone Accumulator, and he's an author, done many research papers. One book, Saharasia, deals with the droughts and what could be done and how it shaped the civilizations in those areas. And he's turned his genius to investigating the so-called pandemic. Uh, and that is what this book is about, his latest book. It is a powerful treatise on with lots of backed up information. It's called COVID-19, a pandemic of ignorance, fear, hysteria, and official truth lies. So you can order that book on his website, naturalenergyworks.net. And if you're out of the United States, you can order it with free shipping at bookdepository.com. So welcome to the other side of the news. James, are you with us? Yes, I am, Cynthia. And thank you once again to you and your your associates for the kind invitation for me to come and speak on this important subject. I really appreciated that the last show you came on, you had so many powerful points of how the statistics were being distorted and and where deaths were really occurring and it was such a broad view and yet so detailed and now time has passed and i know you've gone even deeper into this information and i would really love you to bring us up to speed yes well uh notably a lot of the things that i wrote about and predicted have caught up to the official media where they're now beginning to report some of this stuff. Uh, for example, um, the uh, the CDC, Rachel Walensky has, Dr. Walensky has announced that the PCR testing method that they used over all of 2020 was not accurate and they're abandoning it in favor of something that gives much lower case numbers. And this was always an issue that the cases 
of COVID-19 were so dramatically outpacing the deaths that you could rationally argue, as I did, that there was no causality between them. In other words, if you if you uh, tested positive on a PCR or an antigen test uh, for COVID-19, uh, the overwhelming percentage of people never got sick. They might have had something like a mild cold symptoms or something like that. Uh, but the deaths were uh, at very low numbers. Uh, for example, you could you could uh, look at one of the graphs that's identified as number three, figure three, uh, and it shows that the the uh, there's a, a slow but steady increase in the caseloads over 2020. Over a quarter of a million uh, people peaking out with positive case tests uh, by December and early January 2021. Meanwhile, the PCR antigen confirmed deaths is a tiny little squiggle line way at the bottom, which has only a few um, a few thousand deaths on those days when a quarter of a million or more people were testing positive. Now that that goes to the whole issue of causality. How can they say that the something called COVID-19 is is killing people when there's no uh, correlation between the, the two curves? Hmm. There is a correlation between this tall, big curve, and that is the number of tests that were given over 2020. So this is the kind of thing that a trained natural scientist would see. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a PhD scientist in the field of earth and atmospheric science. And when we begin to see this kind of a disconnect between the claimed causality of factor A with uh, producing factor B, and yet there's no correlation between the numbers, we have to say, wait a minute, what are you talking about? This, this doesn't make any sense. It's inaccurate. It's a flawed theory. Okay? So I, when I began to piece this together, and it wasn't easy, uh, because you have to see the graphs of these uh, cases versus deaths all on the same ordinate. In other words, that the the uh, numbers are put on the same uh, level of uh, of comparison. And there's only one of the COVID websites that was doing this, and it's called Our World in Data. It's a European product, but they had access to the CDC data counts on, uh, on tests and uh, confirmed cases and then confirmed deaths. And what they were presenting was radically different from what you got out of the CDC website, radically different from National Institute of Health, radically different from Johns Hopkins, uh, all of whom were misrepresenting the data by using uh, logarithmic curves and things that a good scientist would never have used for this kind of a comparison. So um, this put me on a path to uh, investigate deeper and over the latter half of 2020 and the early half of 2021, I, uh, I dug very deep and produced uh, this book, which uh, 
it it really is a a tremendous amount of ignorance. And I I have to say this, but most medical doctors training that an ordinary natural scientific PhD does, they just, they don't know. They don't know. And and they were never trained to make Mm -hmm. these kind of analyses. So there's a high level of, of junk science that appears in the medical literature. And this, this is well known among the scientific world, but it's lesser known or admitted to by the, the MDs and the doctors who uh, claim to be so up on everything with respect to health. Right. I, I noticed that myself because I've been intimately, uh, because of family, I've been spending a lot of time in the hospitals and the things you see, you just, you you just can't even believe it. Like one nurse is laughing when I said, well, you're breathing your own toxins with that mask. And it's like, oh, well, what toxins? She said, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Um, so James, I, as I look at this, these graphs that you're pointing out, it, it's such a dramatic uh, difference. It's so obvious. And you wonder how can these educated, quote, educated doctors, and, and I do believe they're educated, but they're miseducated, many of them, how can they be so obtuse? It's it's a mystery to me. Well, so, one w- w- one second here. Just pull what pull back a little bit from the microphone. Just a little bit back from the okay. microphone. Thank you. Go ahead. Okay. Um, yes. What's going on? The the people at the Our World in Data website did not make a whole lot of an a- analysis of of what was going on on the graphs because they were look they were looking at the graphs on the same uh scale uh but Johns Hopkins CDC National Institute of Health FDA they went on with the hysteria pumping uh we're all going to die covid is a deadly deadly thing meanwhile if we can look at the look at the um the graph that's um, identified as number number four, I believe. It's, mm. It shows the it show, figure five COVID daily death Northern Hemisphere nations. James, now, they were. Yes, you're you're on a different show page. I'll have to add those graphs. Oh, okay. you're on a different well, show I page. Can, I can make the point without necessarily showing the graph. Okay. The point is that. Early in in the COVID uh, thing, by the end of 2020, most of European nations and some uh, some uh, nations in in the Americas were showing a clear seasonality to the to the deaths that were happening. So you had. Uh, big peaks in the tail end of winter 2020, 2019 to 2020. And then you had summer with nearly nothing going on in terms of confirmed deaths. And uh, and then in the winter of 2020 uh, to 2021, leading into the beginning of the vaccine period, you also had a big peak in COVID-19 deaths. Now, what that shows is that there is that COVID-19 has a seasonality, which is exactly what you find in influenza and in uh, what is called SARS, a severe acute 
respiratory uh, disease, SAR, excuse me, syndrome. So SARS has been around for a long time. It is not an identifier for COVID-19. Influenza has been around for a long time. It is not an indicator for COVID-19. But for some reason, they, the, the seasonality of these uh, northern hemisphere nations peaking out in the wintertime periods was, was happening. Now, for the southern hemisphere nations, if this was really a, a unique SARS-CoV-2 uh, virus, it would be spreading across international borders throughout the winter and the summer. Mm. But it didn't happen during the Northern Hemisphere, and it didn't happen in the Southern Hemisphere either. In the Southern Hemisphere, the, of the, of the COVID-19 confirmed deaths was in the months of June, July, August, and September, with a minima down in their uh, uh, summer period, which is in uh, January, February, and uh, excuse me, December, January, February, uh, periods. So this was a giveaway that they were misidentifying a lot of well-known heart-lung disorders, SARS disease or um, influenza, seasonal influenza, and all the other pulmonary disorders. They were redefining them as COVID. Yeah, and it's convenient and, that the the figures on those other two are like dropped down to nearly zero. <laughs> that's right. Uh, the influenza for the period of uh, of 2020 and 2021 is just nearly vanished to nothing. And if you compare that to the to the incidence of influenza uh, and ordinary SARS in the um, in the uh, period of uh, other years, they're they're up there soaring at very large numbers. And consistently, so only in this recent year. Uh, recent couple of years has influenza undergone this transformation where it just basically disappears mm. from, the, from the official databases. So these kind of things didn't make a bit of sense from any kind of natural scientific point of view. And so my book, which is a quick read, it's 100 pages, and it goes through about 20 different points like those, one by one, and points out the the, uh, the the fallacious kind of a claim that's being put to the actual data that uh, the CDC has been uh, accumulating. Now, if I go a little bit farther into the modern period, in early January 2021, there's a there's a big push for vaccinations, right? Lots of vaccinations taking place. The the, the what was it that Trump called it the warp speed, which is really his biggest mistake he ever made in his whole political career, because you don't rush vaccine production, because if you do, you risk killing people. I mean, it was it was a case back in, uh, I believe it was 1976, when um, this uh, H1N1 swine flu uh, influenza A variant came out, and they they rushed a vaccine program back then, where 54 people died from the side effects of the vaccine, 
And this was uh, mostly from uh, the creation of autoimmune disorder known as Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is a respiratory distress uh, correlated with paralysis. And with only 54 people dying, they, they clobbered that vaccine. They stopped it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I can't remember who was president back then, maybe George Bush Sr., but whatever, he stopped it. And that was the, part, that was the rational thing to do. Now, well, I've the, heard – go ahead. Uh, I've heard – <laughs> <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> so why don't you go ahead and make your point? Well, uh, I've, I've, I've actually had some debates back and forth with Aneta about – Trump and why he's doing warp speed and it really pissed me off that he was pushing it and what I've come to entertain and maybe even believe now is that if he hadn't that that there are those who will never take it like us and if he hadn't pushed it he wouldn't be able to expose what's going on that it would have gone to the uh in the time zone, in the timeline that the cabal is wanting. I'm probably not saying that correctly, but Annette could. Well, and I, I know Annette will blame it mostly on uh, Anthony Fauci. The, the, the detail on that is, of course, well documented in the new book by Robert Kennedy Jr. called The, the, the Real Anthony Fauci which if you read that and your blood doesn't boil, you're not living, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, well, you know, I put a, I put a graphic in uh, my book on, on the VAERS data, the annual vaccine death. Now, the VAERS data is uh, vaccine oh, – I'm blanking out on the, the acronym um, – adverse effects uh, regist- registry systems. I'm botching that, but nevertheless, I have the VAERS death counts for 2021, uh, all the way up through about 3 September 2021, and going back year by year to 1990. And if you look at that figure, what you see is every year there's about 100, 150 people, 200 people who die from severe uh, reactions. severe annual uh, severe adverse reactions and that are recorded in the VAERS data but in 2021 my god the the numbers soar dramatically uh, for the first time since 1990 and the recording of the data as of May 24 2021 there were 4,170 deaths as of 3 September 2021 there was 14,506 deaths and yet they based continue. Upon, yeah. And based upon that data, I predicted that by the end of the year, 2021, they would have more than 20,000 people die from these vaccines. And I was correct about that. It was uh, something over 21,000 people have died from the COVID-19 mm-hmm. vaccines. And uh, they are recorded in the VAERS database. Now, and, 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 uh, Annetta was also telling me about the other adverse effects. Annetta, about the cancer and right. Well, actually, that's that's a whole. I want okay. I want to dig deep into that, but we're just about to come up onto a break. But I, yeah, the the whole thing uh, with the VAERS, I, I want to point out that 
um, even Harvard studies say that not even 10% because the doctors, there are so many doctors saying, first of all, they make it extremely difficult. And, and people say, oh, they could just make this up. Well, I don't think so because the legal uh, ramifications, if you falsify a report with their data is extremely um, daunting. Uh, and certainly a medical professional would lose, lose their license, et cetera. They, it takes about 45 minutes for each report. But I, but the big thing here, so there, there are actually many, many people are saying that it's about 1%. So you can take any number there and multiply it times 100 and get closer to the real number. Now, yes. and, and I believe that's, that, that is accurate. But some of the estimates are as low as 20%, but some are as high as 100%, as you say. Yeah. So, I mean, from what I'm hearing from people, the actual people that are, you know, doing this, the other thing is, is that they are, you know, again, like, like redefining uh, what, a, what a pandemic is or what a vaccine is, you know, the definitions, words are so important. And one of the things that's going on here is they're saying, well, you're not fully vaccinated until 14 days after your second shot or now after the booster. Well, you know, they keep changing that definition, of course. But the big thing to, to note here, and I'm sure you can elaborate on this, James, is that there is a, uh, the, the percentage of death and uh, the percentage of adverse reactions is much, much higher uh, right after the, after the jab, and then it, it starts to drop off. But there is a long-term consequence. In other words, there's this time bomb effect, which I want to get into after break, about what's going on in the longer term. Because we've been talking about it the whole time since before these jabs ever came out, which is there's going to be this horrific uh, a backside of this. There's the immediate, but then there's the longer term effect. Yes. Can, can you can you speak to that idea quickly on the? Well, uh, yeah. Well, I can't. I can't really speak to the uh, accuracy of those predictions uh, that there's going to be secondary severe reactions. I, I've read many of them. And I, I certainly hope and pray that it, it is not going to happen. Well, it's but already it's I, already been documented that it is, though. I mean, well, is... at smaller numbers, we're not talking about a million people mm -hmm. dying over and, and that kind of thing. That okay, we'll, we'll we'll pick this up but after the, break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. the point is, is we already have immense numbers of people who are dying. The severe, mild to severe, there's case where people. Uh, are permanently disabled. Let me read those statistics out to you. As of 24 May in 21, there were 213,547 adverse reactions alone. But if we go up to 3 September, which is the last analysis I, I made in my book, there were 675,593 adverse reactions with 18,000 plus permanent disabling of people, 58,000 plus hospitalized, 14,500 near-death events, and 413 birth defects. So th these, even without considering the under-reporting, which I believe is, is seriously the case. I mean, I have met doctors and I've talked to them. I said, well, what about the VAERS data? And they go, the what? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, they, they don't even know about it mm -hmm. because they're they're not studying the epidemiology. Most doctors have minimal training in epidemiology, and uh, so you know some of the things that are going on. How they originally were saying that uh, 
uh, when 70% of the population is vaccinated, then we'll have herd immunity. That's well, ridiculous. today they, they've removed that entirely. They don't, do not accept natural immunity anymore. James, we're, we're at the top of the hour. We need to go into a break, but we will return. Uh, tonight's show is called The Big Rig, and I am co-hosting with Timothy Saunders and Cynthia. Our special guest tonight is James DeMeo, and we also have a special report from Darlene Undy, and we will be back right after the break. The Other Side of Midnight.com Talk Radio with pictures on demand. Liberate your hyperdimensional time scale and non-linearly access over 400 hours of conversation at the cutting edge of science and thought. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive content that fits your interests and time schedule. Filter episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs $9.95 a month, $0.33 a day. Talk radio with pictures on demand. The other side of midnight.com. Just remember the virus that they say that is making everybody sick. Nowhere in the world, not one country, not one institution, not the CDC, nobody has this virus that's making us sick on file. It does not exist. All the Freedom of Information Acts are empty over and over again. The virus nowhere exists. So if that is correct, and that's what they're telling us, how in the world can they be testing for it? How in the world can they be making this kind of injection to put in us to save us from this? So we need to start asking the obvious questions because by science and medicine, that makes no sense. I've never heard of that before. Are we able to purchase all those and this was supposed to be a novel infection. You start looking at the big picture, you start looking at everything, you'll find this is actually a planned pandemic. This is not actually what they're telling us in the media. So then you have to ask the bigger question, why? So we have to look closely into this and what's very concerning is that none of the manufacturers or our government will allow any of us to analyze the vials. It's illegal for us to analyze them. They won't let us look in there. Well, why? If there's nothing to hide, why can't we see what's inside these vials? Because right now we have no proof that this virus even exists. What made people sick around the world, in my opinion, is many different things and they used a testing mechanism that was faulty and that could cross-react with anything. It could literally cross-react with bacteria, with other foods, with other colds, false positives. So that's meaningless. So there's no proof of this 
supposed, you know, bad, weird virus affecting everybody. This is Dr. Terry Made on the other side of the news, and I'm excited to be here because we have freedom of speech and no censorship. Welcome back to the other side of the news. And this evening, we have our special guest, James Gamayo. And the, the title of tonight's show is The Big Rig. And we're talking about big rigs and the big rig, as in what we've all been through planetarily with the misinformation, the true misinformation going around COVID-19. And our guest tonight has written a very concise and documented book called COVID-19 a pandemic of ignorance, fear, hysteria, and quote, official truth, which is actually lies. So uh, we're, we're back. And I wanted to talk a little bit, James, about the idea of um, what is going on here. We, we were left off with the VAERS data system. And uh, so there's a couple other things that are going on. We can look statistically at evidence uh, that we have. We have morticians, our very good uh, source of information about the death and what people are actually dying from and whether they've been vaxxed or not, they have that information. The other one's insurance companies. A lot of stuff's coming out around insurance companies. Um, what was it? Airgeon? Air I'm not sure how to say that. I should. But uh, they came out this week um, saying that uh, they had had a, uh, I don't know what the percentage, it was astronomically high. I have to look that one up. Uh, it was It was phenomenally high. Like, uh, 285% increase over last year. And then there's the most, uh, uh, there's the NHI stuff that came, the yellow card system that comes out of, of the UK. And of course we have, and that's the same kind of problem, by the way, it's a voluntary system for reporting and many people don't know how to do it or that it even exists. There's also the denial of the people that have a lot of cognitive dissonance, as you can imagine, that have taken this into their body and volunteered thinking they're doing a great thing for themselves and they cannot believe that when they're having all these problems that it's actually being caused by the very thing that they were told was going to save their lives. This is very unfortunate and I think that we're going to see um, deaths of desperation and I'm talking about suicide, etc. as this starts to become more clear because it's, now this is just my opinion, but, but uh, for that, but the, the fact is, is that we had a leaked database of the U.S. military uh, diseases. So this was the um, data that was leaked from the Defense Health Agency's Defense Medical Epidemiologist Database, that's the DMED. And that was presented in front of a congressional, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is, but it was, it was presented by Senator Ron Johnson this past week. And there were a number of people that you would know the names, including uh, uh, the attorney, Thomas Rents, who is bringing cases against Fauci, et cetera. Now that we have a huge number of things to look at here, 
but uh, you, it cannot be denied what's going on here because amongst the military, uh, they have a very consistent amount of uh, health incidents that they have every year. It's about 1.7 million, and it's always 1.7 million something, right? And so, it's, and then if you look at the, the running average of the last five years, you can compare it. And so what they did was they compared the first 10 months, because that's when the data was gathered till uh, the first 10 months of 2021, as compared to the running average for the last five years. And I'm just gonna run through a list and then we can talk about this. So I'm just gonna run through a few other things. There were many more than what I'm gonna tell you, but uh, heart attacks were up 269%, cancer up 300%, myocarditis 175% increase, uh, myocarditis 285%, pulmonary embolism 467%. That's, those are, you know, your vessels are exploding in your brain, okay? Cerebral infarction, that's a stroke, that's 393%, Bell, 319%, helium beret, 250%, which is what James was referring to earlier. I had a relative years ago that had that. That's a horrible, horrible, horrible thing to go through. Uh, by the way, when the uh, Pfizer was getting their approval for their study uh, protocols from the FDA, they listed 14 things that they, they knew about each one of these, by the way, that was uh, October 20 of 2020. They presented us to the FDA. I had listened to eight hours of their boring stuff, but I actually got screenshots and they knew about every single one of these. And they said there were going to be 14 things that were worse than death. And I would say that's, that's one of those. Okay. So in immune deficiency, so that's the immune system completely caving 275% menstrual irregularity. 460, 476%, sorry, multiple sclerosis, 487% increase over the five-year running average, miscarriages, 306%, HIV, 590% higher, chest pain, 1,529% higher, labored breathing, 905% increase, and neurological issues, 1,052% increase. That's 10.5 times more than the average that they've had for the past five years. So to that, that's what I'm talking about, the secondary round and the morticians and the life insurance companies, life insurance companies are saying, hey, we can't do this because we can't have a 285% increase over last year and our actuaries are way off. So to all of that, <laughs> that data drop there, but that, that's a very accurate one because unlike theirs, we have a, a known average of the military, and then the military is reporting this uh, on a, a group of people that we, it's a, we have an actual control group. So how does that compare, James, to what you were, you were seeing or you were thinking from your data as you were looking outward from when you were writing the book? Does this match up? Well, if we go back to mid-2021, uh, which is when, I, uh, when the book was published, uh, I had by then calculated an, an estimated uh, 416,820 deaths in 2020 created by the COVID lockdowns, masking, and destroyed economy. And this includes... Uh, Cancer, cancer, untreated cancer deaths, additional heart, pulmonary disease deaths, which are all a matter of, of public record, and additional unemployment 
deaths by despair. This is a big factor that drives people to suicide, to drug abuse, to uh, uh, all kinds of problems that, that take a toll on their health. So that number, 416,820, is beyond anything that they claim uh, had died from uh, COVID-19. And then I, uh, I, I actually did my own uh, tabulations of, of the numbers uh, of death in, uh, in COVID-19 using the CDC's own data, which uh, unfortunately they did not normalize their data. In other words, they, they took uh, one year and then another year and then another year and then averaged them together, but there was no normalization of the data to the point where uh, in the different age groups they could tell what was really going on. When I did that, I found, you had to subtract the, uh, the COVID-19 number of deaths as, as a number and as a percentage versus the all-causes deaths. And when you, when you segregated those numbers out just for the one year, 2020, uh, the, the number of people who died who did not have uh, other cause uh, comorbidities was 4,866. That's, that's, a, a, that's a very low number. And this matched fairly close to the work of a, of a scientist named Eli and his, his working group who concluded that only 6% of the COVID deaths were actually uh, without comorbidities. And that was the number 6% that was got from the CDC. Now, Rachelle Lewin Walensky, she recently announced that 75% of all of the COVID deaths uh, of 2020 were um, were this uh, lacking in comorbidities. So w when you look at that and you you, you do a subtraction of the, the number of people who actually died of COVID versus those who died of COVID with a comorbidity, a very deadly thing, uh, it's it's a dr dramatically lower number. Mm -hmm. Yes, from all causes, I, I computed in two different data analyses in my book. Uh, the, the, the higher number was 5,399. The lower number was 4,866. And this was all using data from 2020. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, it's no. shocking when I, when I came back with these conclusions. Oh, so the, the question is, for 2021, you got a different situation because now they're injecting people with all these poisons. That's right, right. Well, I and wanted to so, before before we get off that, I wanted to say that back in uh, back in 2021, um, the uh, Por Portuguese government did come out. They were, I think, the first ones that came out and said, "Look, these numbers aren't accurate. These people are dying from the com comorbidities, and they're dying uh, with COVID." not from, and of course we know the test is completely bogus because it can make anybody look like, you know, you can be a pop-up and have it, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so so it's completely garbage data. But uh, I wanted to say before we jump off that, well, actually, no, this is this okay. I want to talk about the VAC stuff. So go ahead with what you're saying. Well, with the vaccines, you, uh, they don't protect anybody from anything. Mm -hmm. 
and the boosters uh, just add to the poison that's being injected into your body. So the, the vaccines, the boosters, as far as I'm concerned, they are toxic death shots, clot shots, if you will. Uh, and that people, when they see a, an MD all masked up and whatever uh, with a hypo, they should run the other way as fast as possible and, and never allow them close to their children. This yeah. is the most disgusting thing. And it forced me to talk about a medical police state which is what we have now. Oh. Cops and doc a doctor is backed up now by a cop with a gun. And if you don't do what he says, you're going to get it. Oh, I know. I, I had I had a big, uh, I had several big encounters today with uh, some brown shirts. And if we, if we had more time, I'd, I'd tell you some pretty entertaining stories. But believe me, there, there was someone who was standing outside the pharmacy uh, when I left. And they were like, they wanted to meet me. <laughs> Because what I did to the pharmacist in there, you know, let them know what the laws are actually and what my rights were. And, uh, you know, they're not used to having anyone stand up, but they are used to running roughshod. I mean, they are, they have totally taken on the mantle of we are the enforcers. And yeah. we will, we will tell you how to live your life. And I'm, I'm not agreeing to this. I never will. Um, I wanted to say too on this, uh, a couple other data points as far as where we're getting information from. I mean, this, uh, uh, data from the Department of Defense is very well documented. It is, um, it's, it was also three whistleblowers came out from the Department of Defense and all of it is under oath and they have the actual data. So unlike what we hear from the uh, White House pressers that just they talk and that they have nothing to back it up, this stuff's all backed up. But I wanted to talk about a couple of other countries, UK, okay. Can you tell me when that data came out? Because it was some, I've not heard of it. Uh, it was about, I can tell you, I'll look up in a second. It was the, the it was about a week and a half ago though. Okay. Um, so you're, you're more up on things than I am. I, I, I was being driven a little crazy by this, this social situation. So for a while I've just backed away from it. Oh yeah. Well, I'm kind of, I mean, I'm addicted junkie to this. So, you know, yeah. Anyway, the UK has released, actually, uh, this was uh, on the 3rd, so today is what, the 4th? Yes, so this is from yesterday. Uh, the UK uh, released their information from the NHI, uh, is it, is it, yeah, National Health, is it NIH, it's NIH, I always reverse those. But anyway, uh, the UK had the fully vaxxed, uh, accounted for 92% of the cases in the hospital. Hmm. 92% of all hospital cases were from the fully vaxxed. So whether they were in for, quote, COVID or not, okay? Yeah. Um, and almost all of those, by the way, if you've taken the vaccine, it's in the vaccine, so you're going to test positive. You know, this is a big issue, too. The tests were recalled last July um, and uh, because, you know, they're, they're bogus. Uh, Carrie Mullis told us that you should never use them for viral detection. That's not what they were designed for. And then, of course, if you run them at, at so many amplifications, they're, they're completely useless. Uh, right. They're also useless because they can't tell the difference between a common cold, flu, and the quote, hang on, I've got a cat that just, just uh, keeps talking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll just let him out the door. Yeah, PCR right. tests are real junk. They were around during the HIV years and were used to kill a lot of gay guys who, uh, who were fanatics about taking more drugs 
Um, and it hasn't changed a bit. No. So they have this, and so I think you know right now what they're looking at. They don't. They want it. They don't want to have this control group of of non-vaccinated for for a number of reasons. But one of them is, is as these new tests come out that can delineate between these three different types of of viral infections. Uh, the only people that are going to be showing up with the actual quote COVID are the people that are jabbed, and so this is a big issue. So I want to talk about these these numbers just for a second, because 70%, this is back to the UK, 70% of the hospitalizations and 81% of the deaths in the UK are from the fully vaccinated. Again, I'll, I'll say that again, 92% of the cases, 70% of the hospitalizations, and 81% of the deaths. That's enormous. Okay, so what we're seeing here uh, is the start of what I've called the tip of the iceberg and of the deaths. And uh, th- these are ticking time bombs in people's bodies. I, I did talk to an oncologist, happens to be my mom's oncologist, because my mom took the jab and immediately came up, well, not immediately, but six months later, came up with three different kinds of cancers, all of a sudden out of nowhere, very, very healthy person, uh, not the least bit overweight, um, you know, everything's right, okay, no, no medications, nothing, and all of a sudden she has three kinds of cancer at the same time. And uh, the oncologist is saying this is just, it's in an, I had talked about this, about the enzyme that is in the immune system that recognizes cancer and destroys the cancer cells. Well, it's, it's completely disabled by this mRNA. So it, it has free reign in there. And uh, so the, these also the other thing that the oncologists are saying, an honest one, will tell you that the cancer rates are going off the charts. The amount of the, the time frame that cancers are developing so in other words, if you have cancer, if it normally would take this many months before it got you, it, those, those rates are going up between five and 10 times. So this is out of control, you know? And I also wanted to say about this whole thing about the fully vaxxed and all that, that the numbers in Germany are very similar to the UK, except they're even worse. It's 96% of the people uh, that are dying and in hospitalized in Germany are the fully vaxxed. So, and I don't... I've, I've lost track of Israel. I was tracking Israel, the Seychelles, and um, Gibraltar and places like that that have very, very high vaccine rates because these, all of them have just horrific numbers. So there's no question about this at this point. I guess the question is, is, is what do we see? And I'm very concerned about these deaths of desperation because, as I said, if you've done this to yourself, what could you be thinking now? Um, I know yeah. that there's things you can do to help yourself, but yeah, yeah. Or if you allowed your child to get vaccinated, that would be so bad. Yeah, yeah. that would be so bad. Yeah, but you know, well, there's still I... this, there's this dissidence, right? There's this cognitive dissidence because there are people that their their kids are dropping over dead, and they're just they they still don't believe it's the vaccine. Oh, I'm 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 paralyzed, but it's so much better than getting COVID. Huh? Yeah, it's you know. It's, uh, well, this brings us into the the issue of hysteria and uh i I was i was pleased to see that uh, this word mass something hysteria what do they call it uh Uh, mass hypnosis or mass uh, psychosis hysteria mass formation hysteria Uh, yeah i think that term is a little bit complex i just put the word hysteria in, in the title of my book and it covers the whole business of mass hysteria which is a well-known phenomenon going back uh, to the medieval periods, actually. 
but we're suffering clearly from uh, from this on a worldwide basis. This kind of uh, freaking out, you know, of people uh, accepting the words. You know, back in the medieval period, you had people in black robes going around. Uh, uh, telling people that uh, it was their sins, uh, why they had the Black Death and so on. And today it's these guys in white coats. I mean, what has changed in, in terms of the narrative of the fear, of the arrogance, uh, has not changed a bit. But what has changed is instead of, uh, you know, we have a largely atheistic society. And uh, so people need something to fill that gap of the belief systems. I believe that that's something that's going on. And so they look to, quote unquote, science. And what have we seen them do with science? We've seen them distort COVID-19 into this uh, pan pandemic of uh, total panic and hysteria. They're trying to do the same with so-called climate change. They want to do the same with genderism. I mean, all these things that are that are just beyond belief from the normal, common sense point of view. Uh, they are they are worsening by by hysterical, uh, unscientific, unscientific claims that that cannot be verified. They're unverifiable claims. They just they just make them, and you're supposed to believe, and that's the end of the story. Right. Well, you know, we, we do have a, we do have this enormous plan that they're trying. So, you know, you can divide it very simply into the, the baddies. I call them the baddies, the bad guys, the cabal, the deep state, the elite, uh, whatever you'd like to label that. And then there's the good guys or, you know, whatever you want to call those guys, like the, uh, the alliance. There's a lot of names for this, right? But, and well, then, there's also international communism is at work through the Chinese. Well, that's, that's part of the baddies. Those are that's, that's the baddies. Part of the baddies, but <laughs> it's the, a central, it's a central part, and um, I think it needs to be more refined. Uh, baddies is a little nebulous for me. Well, but it's a that's because that's because I'm, uh, I'm 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 I am used to dealing around the censorship. Okay, but point the point is is that. All of this is very well laid out in many documents that they have provided for us because they have this thing called disclosure. And, it, and, and I'll, I'll go a step further and say that it's, it's, we're in the ultimate good versus evil. And it's, it's definitely it's a spiritual battle. And well, I, I, I agree with you in the sense, uh, well, think of uh, Klaus Schwab and his uh, World Economic Forum. Right. I mean, That's they've what... been plotting this kind of thing for more than a decade or more. Oh, way more. It, was, it was interesting that they held their most recent meeting uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And in that meeting, Anthony Fauci declared, we have just finished phase one of a five phase program. And mm. I didn't see many news media pick that up. But what is he talking about? Well, you got four more phases. Each is going to be two years of this bullshit. You know, I mean, these people are deeply, deeply sick. Yeah, they're they're psychotic. Yeah, they are. They are. And, and so this is a master plan. It's a huge plan. It's actually been in play for a really long time. Uh, you you can go back um, actually to the 1870s and see the genesis of this. And for sure, they were putting everything into play um, 
by the early 1900s. So we, we can we can point That's directly right. back, and especially okay. the medical tyranny um, started in, in you know the Rockefellers in 19 about 1910. You know the Carnegie and the uh, the whole uh, Flexner report and all that. That's right. You know, right. Wilhelm Reich is somebody I've I've uh, followed his work, and I was outraged when I read uh, that his books were burned by the Food and Drug Administration back in the 50s and 60s, and that uh, they lied to the courts, they fabricated a, a whole bunch of lies and presented to the courts, who then sentenced Reich uh, to imprisonment uh, on a technicality. So yes, this kind of thing has been going on for a long time. And they they went against Max Gerson, the German uh, cancer specialist, mm-hmm. uh, to destroy his work. They they went against Linus Pauling and his work on vitamin C as a preventive for colds, flu, and cancer. So it's it's been going on with a grand plan over a very long period of time. Yeah, well, it, it certainly has, and and there's what we have is all kinds of evidence of this. And now, the good the good thing about what's happening is because because of all this, and because and I and I have my own ideas around this and why it's happening like it is. That's a whole another thing. But uh, you know, we have this we have the speeding up of everything, including the collapse of the central bank, which is all most certainly connected to this. And uh, you know. What is happening is at least we are at a place where um, people are starting to wake up and, and smell the coffee that's burnt. Okay, so but at least they're starting to wake up, and people are pushing back. Look at the truckers as an example. Anyway, mm-hmm. right now we have to go into a break. So I uh, so right now uh, we're going to a break. It's big rigged. Our guest is James DeMeo, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Kaufman, natural healing consultant. Welcome to the other side of the news, where they're open to hearing the truth and take it seriously. The first thing you got to look at is the methods, like nothing else matters, because that's where they describe the experiment. So then you can decide if what you can conclude from the experiment, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And that's really, really important because... You know, they make false claims and people don't understand how to use statistics and all these things can be misleading. What I notice that they do now is they put the methods section at the very end. And in some papers, it's in a separate document that's like an addendum. So in other words, they just present the the results and conclusions and an introduction section and nobody looks at the methods. But that's the most important thing, because if you don't know that, you don't actually know what they did. Because, you know, there's a lot of art to experimental design. And, uh, you know, some people can be very clever about it. Some can be very elegant about it. But there's also like many ways that things could be fudged. And there's books on this, right? Like one of Bill Gates' favorite books, How to Lie with Statistics. Then, you know, you have the John Ioannidis article, which is one of the most highly cited papers where he says more than half of all published research is false. Right. So mm-hmm. but but how many scientists, when they go to read a paper, say there's a 50 percent chance that this 
article is false. So I better read it really carefully, right? They don't do that. But all this clinical research, it's really just, it's really marketing. It, that, that's what it is. It's not actual research. With this, the vaccine trials, you know, it, it's just, they basically designed it exactly perfectly to show what they could say. You know, that bogus 95% effectiveness. Uh, that's the, the relative risk reduction of having a test. And it's not even the overall risk reduction would be like 0.4%. But they describe it that way. It's a statistical trick where they could say 95%. And they also defined the outcome. And then they had to wait seven days after the vaccine. But all the people who got sick within that seven days didn't count. You know, all kinds of uh, tricks. Why. They're 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 experts at this. They know yeah. they know what they're doing, and and it's really hard to even figure out what they're doing. Well, you're listening to the other side of the news. I thought Timothy was bringing us back, but here I am. This is Kinthea. and uh, our guest tonight is Dr. James DeMeo. The show is called Big Rigged. And we were quite on a roll, and then I saw here that Timothy had questions. You want to come on in? I do have questions, but I was just <laughs> listening to the end of Andrew Kaufman speaking, and he stopped fairly abruptly. I thought there ah. was a little bit more to say, but um, uh, thank you. Thank you, Dave. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, James, James, yes. since you published your book, which was what last last summer last june was it something along those lines uh, last july june july is when it was uh, getting out yeah yeah well obviously we've just been talking about some of the events which have occurred since then that have met many of your predictions um there have also been a few twists along the way as well there's been uh, variants and there's been you know omicron and there's been <clears throat> all different uh, reactions to to these variants around the planet. There've been relaxation of social certain anti-social distancing and mask wearing, and then some people have been you know, pushing harder to, to have more restrictions. And then there have been the vaccine passports. We saw an awful lot of um, attention given to that in Israel. Uh, but now we're into the second month of 2022. This has been going on quite a while now, hasn't it? Two weeks to flatten the curve. We, I think we're, we're starting to see a lot of damage, obviously, Aneta, and you've been talking about that over the last hour or so. But if I go back to the UK, I think one of the big wins, that's, I don't think it's a, uh, the end of the end of the war, but one of the big wins at the moment is that the NHS, the National Health Services, uh, nurses and, and medical staff do not require uh, vaccination, which is something which was going to be mandated as of, I think, the 1st of April, and certainly any time now. That, that's quite a big win, I believe. And do you, yeah. Have you been following that story at all? Well, only peripherally. I read uh, news reports from different uh, sources, conservative sources, and uh, and they're doing a pretty good job of reporting it. But I uh, 
I have other books I'm writing right now, and I so I sort of put this subject aside because I I saw so many people, uh, who many with more expertise than myself, uh, taking up these subjects and and uh, with the confrontations that are and and protests that are taking place, uh, I I feel like I've done my bit to shove that boulder down the road down the uh, the hill. And uh, I'm content at this point to mostly just sit back and and see how it all develops. But I, well, I agree with everything that's been said here. Uh, the hmm. only exception is uh, I'm hoping that it doesn't take mass mass deaths in order to wake people up. But it, it does from these stats that uh, were were just uh, reported uh, here. It, it does appear that something is on the on the move in that direction. Too bad mm. about. Well, I know that your research is very concise, very precise, and the way you've laid out the book is, is everything is validated and referenced to, to fact, which is which is wonderful. So it is a very powerful bullet or missile. Uh, that's maybe a bad analogy, but it, it is certainly a a powerful and very persuasive, um, yeah, reality check on what the hell's going on here and uh, quite frankly a very refreshing one because there have not been so many of these that are, are providing reliable data like this but to, to extrapolate a little bit from your position now I mean as I say many events have occurred since it's been published you know we are starting to see cracks propagate and you know, not only is it the UK health workers having their mandate cancelled, but you're seeing, for example, Denmark has uh, dropped all COVID protocols, for example. Um, Many places, I believe, either have or are in the process of downgrading COVID to the status of flu, for example. We should also remember... that's all very helpful. We should also remember the UK, just prior to the first lockdowns, actually downgraded it to... Uh, I think it was something, in it, it, it was non-emergency level, and yet they still went ahead with the lockdowns in any case. But so the, we we know the narrative is full of full of holes, like a like a piece of you know Swiss cheese. We can all imagine that cartoon image. Um, but it seems that some of these holes and cracks are propagating and sort of giving way now. Now. Do you think that's because of medical reasons? Is it because they cannot hide the evidence anymore? Do you think people are just tired? They just can't handle it anymore? They can't be bothered to watch the TV anymore and and be programmed? Or, unfortunately, do you think it's a lull before the next storm, as you just mentioned that maybe the World Economic Forum has a a phase two around the corner. Yes, uh, that is worrisome. Um, I would say all those points that you listed are important signs, which has to continue. And uh, if it if it peters out, if it if if it wanes, then they are going to come back in a roar. I mean, already these 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 uh, fascists who are at the head of the governments of Australia and uh, 
many other places. The German uh, health minister is just a die. You, you put a Nazi uniform on him, on him, and he fit the picture exactly. Um, there's all kinds of deeply sick pathological people in the upper echelons of of European and other global nations, and also in the uh, ruling over the states in the United States. I live on the West Coast in Oregon, and our uh, our governor is Governor Brown, Kate Brown. She's called Governor Brown Shirt because of her, of her dictator-type uh, policies. Governor Inslee in Washington is the most despicable character you've ever seen in terms of his declarations, just pulling uh, pulling facts out of thin air and, and then uh, making comments about how we have to, uh, this has to be done and that has to be done. And then uh, his administration all stands up and salutes and they try to implement it. And none of it is legal. It's all extra constitutional. And the same with uh, our uh, our governor in California, Newsom, who is uh, almost a brother of uh, Justin Trudeau in terms of his having got elected through his pretty boy looks and slick tongue lying. I mean, this is, this, these are pathological characters. Uh, you know, there's, a, there's these research studies that have been shown that um, slick pathological lying males, psychopaths, sociopaths, tend to be able to persuade a lot of people to give up their money uh, or women to seduce them and all kinds of things that are antisocial in many different ways. And that's what these people are. That is what they are. They are sociopaths and psychopaths. And it's time that people wake up to see who they elected. And uh, I, I don't know whether people are going to wake up fast enough before some kind of a, a rebound uh, attack happens, or or if the uh, the present uh, the present protests and so forth will have a more permanent effect. I'm hoping for that. I'm really hoping for that. Well, I mean that that's one of the big differences is. I mean, especially with this truckers' convoy and this freedom convoy. I mean, this is a physical, physically very large uh, collection of, of, of machinery. I mean, there's no, yeah. <clears throat> there's no hiding it, and yet, yeah. yet it still is not being shown on mainstream TV in most cases, or in a very limited way. Uh, but nonetheless, there it is. And also, if this is seen to succeed. In, in any way, then I believe it will be used as a tool across the planet because, you know, these guys and lady drivers, men drivers, they're everywhere. They, they are required, they are needed to, to keep our shelves filled. Um, now, it, it, is, it is helping the cause in a way to stop circulation because also we have these, you know, forced few, uh, food shortages and fuel increase, increase um, inflation increase and so on around the world um, happening. So in, in a way, by not circulating goods, it's helping the, what I call the minorities cause. But on the other hand, <clears throat> if, if they do gridlock the city in Ottawa, for example, and, and any other cities may be gridlocked as well, 
then clearly that is a big statement where people can actually live. They can live in their trucks. They can stay there for long periods of time. Um, and physically, they can block off government buildings and so on. I mean, this, this obviously is you know, stating the obvious, but the point is, it is a form of demonstration that I don't think we've seen before. Um, That's, true. That's true. So this is a new tool that has emerged, um, which is good. So do you, again, I'm, I'm not trying to pull words out of your, your mouth, but on the other hand, I do suddenly see, well, we, we've seen a certain number of, subtle U-turns occurring. I mean, for example, for a while, even the CDC have been saying, uh, you know, uh, some of the, the COVID protocols are not working, even the official uh, narrative um, coming from the CDC, for example, uh, have been showing that uh, some of these you know, masking, for example, or, or uh, antisocial distancing and so on are not as effective as they had hoped or they had intended, even Bill Gates, I think, came on and was sort of playing his violin story about uh, we didn't you know, imagine there would be so many um, uh, complications and we didn't imagine that so many people would be uh, uh, mentally challenged by the idea of just sitting down and being jabbed in the arm and, and, and so on. So, I mean, I think some people are making some of these COVID uh, propagators are, are, are literally starting to do U-turns publicly. And again, even this week, we saw how the Johns Hopkins um, and also the university in Sweden uh, both agreed that the, the lockdowns only reduced mortality by 0.2%. Now, where, the, where you can pull, pull those numbers from, I don't really know, but 0.2% is not a very powerful uh, result or a very satisfying result. When you compare that with the cost of the world being locked down on and off for two years. Yeah. Uh, in my book, I, I contrasted uh, the six most extremely locked down states with the six less least locked down states and uh, the COVID-19 death case ratios in the mild or no lockdown states was 1.5%. But in the severe lockdown cases, states, uh, it was the average was 3.1%. In other words, double. So the lockdowns, uh, you know, and this is based on 2020 data, too. So uh, I'm glad to see that the uh, Johns Hopkins has uh, come clean about it. But some of these things, you know, they, they've known for a long time. And it's, it's, a, it's kind of like a face-saving measure for some of them to now come out with statements that are basically in agreement with their critics from six months or a year ago. Yeah. So, I mean, this has been going for a, a while, so we can imagine there are certain patterns forming. Uh, for example, seasons in the Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere, and so on, seasonal changes. Um, also, the, the flu is, as far as I know, still vanished. Has anybody found that? Maybe, maybe that's what Justin Trudeau's 
looking for. I don't know, but um, it's also missing. But uh, <clears throat> what, what would you expect would be the next step? I mean, Northern Hemisphere, we're entering February now. What would you expect to happen ordinarily according to the trends you've been working on? Well, if, there, if the new so-called new PCR uh, test method, which I think has got to be as bogus as the old one, uh, continues to misidentify uh, DNA RNA fragments of all kinds of other coronaviruses or, or bacterium or whatever, uh, then uh, the caseloads will, will continue to be up and the, the fascist politicians and the ignorant or profiteering doctors are going to continue to hammer that in the news media. But if, the, if they're not having a lot of people dying of this, just case numbers, then they have the same problem they did in 2020. The, the case numbers are high, but with Omicron, the 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 the, uh, the the pathogenicity of it is low. It's like having the cold, but not even most people get that. So uh, Omicron may be uh, a salvation in a way. I've heard that 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 people will uh, all be exposed to it, and then we'll all cross react with high case numbers. In which case, they have to go back to the old. Uh, they're forced back to the old immunological uh, rules, which is that uh, you get exposed, you recover, you develop antibodies, and then you're safe. And you also act as a barrier to other people getting and catching the same disorder. So, I mean, it's, it's really remarkable how clever those societies were to, well, I shouldn't say medical societies, I should say specifically the World Health Organization, the CDC, National Institute of Health, and FDA all harmonized their redefinitions of pandemic and mm -hmm. of um, herd immunity or natural immunity. So they, they basically erased those terms and uh, redefined them in a way that said basically the only way out of this conundrum is through massive vaccinations of everybody. And I put I put the quotes from the CDC's own documents in my book on that in the first chapter just to identify how they changed the definitions uh, in, in before 2020, before 2020, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, so this is remarkably uh, aggressive and uh, false junk science of the worst sort and uh, done by psychopaths. Again, you got profiteering psychopaths in the CDC and especially National Institute of Health and uh, especially the NIAID that uh, Fauci runs. And the proof on that is really remarkably documented in the Kennedy book. Uh, I, I barely touch on Fauci as an individual who, is, who has been so wrong on everything. I mean, there was a video not long, uh, just a week ago from, uh, from uh, DeSantis in, uh, in Florida where he, he shows Fauci's flip-flopping, you know, and he said, one day Fauci says, oh, masks are completely unnecessary. We don't really need them in the schools or anyplace else. They don't work. 
And then uh, a couple of months later, he's saying, oh, we all have to mask and wear masks everywhere, even outdoors. You know? And then he says, uh, the, the vaccines have all kinds of problems with them, and uh, maybe it's not a good idea to push them on everybody. And then later he says just the opposite, that, oh, the vaccines are marvelous and everybody has to have them. So it's, uh, you can find all this stuff uh, on the non-conventional uh, social media. I mean, you talk about uh, uh, these different websites that have been set up to get around the censorship. I mean, the censorship today is worse than anything I've ever seen in my life. Um, even during the Vietnam War protests, there were you could anybody could protest, and uh, uh, although there were a few examples of extreme reaction to that, for the most part, um, there was open discussion, writing about things, books written, and they all got uh, some equal coverage from both liberal or conservative websites or, or news reporting. Today, all of the all of the people on the baddie side are the leftists. The Democrat Party. You've got to identify your enemy. It's the Democrat Party run today by a, the Biden crime family, which is up to its eyeballs, taking money from the Chinese communists. Now, if you can't identify the, where the source of it, where the enemy is, then we're lost. I mean, it's like saying, oh, well, let's, let's go to Europe with D-Day and defeat somebody. We don't know who it is. Maybe it's the Nazis. Maybe it's somebody else. No, you got to identify who it is. And there's plenty of evidence. Yeah, you know what else you need to add to that list, James, are all the rhinos. Because I don't believe at all in the two-party system. In fact, our, four, our founding fathers here didn't believe in that either. We were never meant to be, a, if you read the Federalist Papers, et cetera, it's never meant to be a two-party. But both the parties are corrupt. They're both corrupt. Well, I can I take think. that on principle. But right now, the only people holding the line is the Republican Party and two Democrats. I, I and, would say, uh, yes, yeah. there is. there are rhinos like, like Romney, like uh, the the senator from uh, Maine, the senator from Alaska, uh, they will vote with the Democrats uh, serendipitously. I think we all know there's lots of money changing hands. But when I look at the reality of it, the reality of it is is that the Republicans are the only ones that are holding the line. I mean, I wish well, there was a, yeah. an independent party that was the same, uh, with the same kind of power, but I don't see it. But, okay, so so since we jumped down this hole, let's talk about that. Because the thing is, is that, you know, we have this incredibly, so this is all connected. There's, there's, no, there's no coincidences here. But we have this incredibly corrupt election system, okay? That's fraudulent, as I'll get out. By the way, it's been like that for a really long time. I mean, I... Well, who's I've, trying to correct it now? And who is trying well, to... Well, there's to plenty, of, plenty of us are still trying. Uh, yeah. And there's still stuff going on. There's still a lot going on, actually. I mean, I, I, on my uh, Telegram channel, I post stuff every single day about election stuff. Every single day, I, without fault. There's certain well, subjects I always make sure. But and, and the, the fight's not over. But the thing is, is that we haven't, we as a people, have not elected these people. They have been installed, and they have been installed through this corrupt system. 
And that system is run by what's the baddies. The baddies, their model is, yes, the communist model or the Marxist model, or, you know, there's people get really hung up on the, um, the labeling, but the bottom line is, is it's basically a few run the many of the slaves. Okay. Well, so, if I, if I made a list of the severe problems that the nation faces besides COVID, things like the border, things like this uh, totally irrational provocation with Russia, uh, things like, uh, well, you can make your own list. I mean, I have a long the, differences, <laughs> the differences are so stark right now that the idea we have a, a one-party system is fallacious on the surface. It doesn't make any sense, even though I would agree with you in a general way that there's just too damn much crookedness and money in Washington, D.C., but look at who's holding the line and who's who's trying to <laughs> shove the nation into a cesspool. You know, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But uh, what I'm saying there, James, is I wouldn't trust. I wouldn't want to have dinner with 98% of either. I mean, I, I just think that th these lifelong politicians are a real problem. They are corrupt, and I'm not going to give them a pass because they happen to have a D or an R. I am. I personally, I grew up in a Republican family. I was a registered Republican, and I'm, I'm, I'm basically on that side of things. It's not that hard to figure out. But, uh, you know, the thing is, is that we have super corrupt all over the place. And it's, it's because on well, both sides, they've been installed by the, the, the non-governmental organizations that are sponsored and paid for by these oligarchs. And they they're by the go by the name of you know Zuckerbuck and you know Soros. And well, they're all like supporting that. the Democrats today. They're, they're, supporting, they're not supporting the Republicans. They, Look, oh, I yeah, live in well, Oregon, which has was the first state to initiate vote by mail, and since then we have not had any Republican representation. It has yes. been straight line Democrat ever since, and it has to do with the crooked nature of the Democrat Party. That's the end of the story, as far as the well, evidence I, I, I've seen. I, I don't, I don't disagree with you there. However, I'm not going to agree that the Republicans get off the hook because those people, they're also corrupt. And and if you look in detail about what they're actually pa uh, passing legislatively, what they're doing, it's a, uh, it's an ugly story all the way around. We need a, we need a cleaning of the dumpster. We need, we need this, this dumpster fire finished. For well, what we have here. Okay, yeah. I can accept that as a generalization, but in terms of specifics, who you're going to vote for, uh, it doesn't it doesn't give enough information, in my opinion. Well, I, I don't I don't vote party line. I can tell you that. Uh, but anyway, we're just about at the end of the show. But uh, what would you what do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners this evening? Stay away from the COVID vaccines. <laughs> okay. Stay away from look at the the hospitals are committing premeditated murder now with their there and all these toxic poisonous medicines and then they stick you on a ventilator you're almost assured to die so uh, question authority medical authority more than anything else i would say i i would totally agree with you there i say question authority but medically yeah you got to stay alive to keep questioning don't you so yep. Oh, well, it's been a fascinating show with you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, we're, we have hit the we hit the runway here, so the end of the runway. So, Tim. Okay. Well, despite the initial unpleasant realization of the truth, to 
lights at the end of the tunnel. There is an increasing number of respected journalists, writers, politicians, doctors, lawyers, influencers, artists, activists, healers, and innovators who are wide awake and are already making great impact. All they require from you is to unplug from mainstream and social media propaganda, to make your own independent research, to stop acquiescing, and to stand up for what you believe in with respect to others. Remember, you were born with power and you wake up each day with power. It's entirely up to you how you choose to retain or give it away. You've been listening to another live broadcast of the other side of the news. This 88th edition is entitled Big Rigged and remains available at www.theothersideofthenews.com. My name is Timothy Saunders, and together with Kintia and Annette Driscoll, offer special thanks to our guests, Dr. James DeMeo and Darlene Undi. Our listeners, contributors, and our sound engineer, Keith Morgan, we wish you all a positive week. I look forward to reconnecting with you next Friday. Good night. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.